From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I am Kyle Wenzel. And we're excited to have you guys back for another week of the show. And just want to say how much we appreciate all the feedback that we're getting just on these shows. We've been doing some theological topics and from the looks of it, this has been some stuff that's been on your guys' minds for years or you've just been contemplating it lately whatever the case we're getting a lot of feedback on these shows and we Mm -hmm. we truly appreciate it yeah and this show really is no different this is a question that has come up a lot this is a question that's been asked to us yeah and it's a it's another one of those taboo topics in the church and so we're going to talk about that but before we get into that i do have a couple of housekeeping things just want to remind you of the phone number that you can text us you can of course like i say text us about show suggestions if you've got topics like i say you want to talk about or if you just want to give us feedback on this show or any other show remember when you text this number it doesn't matter what time of the day or night that you text us, it is not, this is not our personal cell phone, so it's not going to disrupt mm-hmm. us or disturb us in any way. So if it's nine o'clock in California or seven o'clock in Norway or wherever you're listening to this show, no worries. You can just give us that feedback. And so that number to text us to join the conversation or to talk about any of the other shows or topics that we've talked about, you might be new to the show and you say, Hey, you know what? I want to talk about your third or fourth show that you did. We're in over 60 mm. shows now. Totally fine. We're, we'll, we'll, yeah. We will engage you in that conversation. That number is 248-301-2010. 248-301-2010. Again, that number, you can text it at any time and save it in your phone as TOL, think it out loud, so that you can at any time just message us, text us, and, and uh, all that good stuff. Even if you disagree, we want you to engage with us. And then also, we want you to go to our our page, our Thinking Out Loud website. So there's lots of resources there. You can learn more about us, kind of see what our ministry background has been, all of that good stuff. It's thinkingoutloudmedia.com, thinkingoutloudmedia.com. On the homepage, if you scroll down almost to the bottom of the page, you will see there's a donate button there. If you have been blessed by this show, uh, you want to continue to see truth all over the world and all over the U.S. We've got, we're reaching, oh, last time I looked, I think it's over over 30 countries right now in over 740 cities in the U.S. So if you want this to go out, continue to go out. And the only way we do this is by supporters like you. And so you can set up for recurring payments. We're looking for at least to kick us off. We're looking for 20 people at $25 a month. 
to keep this show on the air. So if you've, if, if you're one of those people, you can certainly do that. You can do $10 a month, $5 a month, $2 a month. It doesn't matter. Whatever you can afford, you can do $500 a month. Whatever you can afford, do that. You can also make a one-time payment there as well. And so just, and, and again, if you have any issues with that or you're like, hey, I need to know how to make this payment, but for some reason it's not going, it's something's not working, reach out to us, text us 248-301-2010. We'll help you with that as well. And so let's let's dig into our topic today. This is a topic that is widely debated and has been debated for many years in the church. Mm-hmm. I believe this topic is not a, a gray area. I don't think it's a cloudy topic. I don't think that the Bible is not clear about this. I happen to believe that this is a very clear in scripture topic about what God says about this. And so let's talk about women preachers. Um <laughs> So we're going <laughs> to we're going to get into the deep theological pool today and and as we go through this guys I want to make sure that you're listening to to all of the the details here because we're going to get a little bit into the details because I believe it's so so vitally important for that but I want to I want to kick this off by just I, there's three points that I want you to consider and these three points are very important for any time you are studying scripture. Okay? So anytime you're studying the Bible, remember these three things. One, remember that the Bible is a history book. Okay? The Bible is a history book. It it doesn't just record the words of eternal life or Jesus' words or the prophet's words or those type of things, but it also speaks to things from a historical context. Okay. Yes, it is the word of God, but it is also a history book. And when you hear some of the stories and see some of the things that we see in scripture, you have to understand what is the historical context behind a scripture that like you, you cannot take a scripture and, you know, take one scripture, extract that out of the Bible and then make a doctrine around that scripture without knowing the historical context of why that was said and to whom it was said, okay? The second thing is, and I, you've heard me say this before, is the Bible is not written to you. The Bible is written for you. So the Bible is not written to you in the sense that the Bible is not written. So when, when, you, know, when you see, when you read the Bible, it was written to the people of that day. It wasn't written to you. It was written to the church at Ephesus or the church at Corinth, Corinth, or, it, you know, Paul wrote letters to Timothy. It was not written to you. It was written for you. All right. So that's very, that's, those are two important things. And that third thing is anytime you're studying a topic, you must look at all scripture in light of scripture. So when you when you and when you have a topic that you're talking about and you're like, I wonder what the Bible says about this. You have to take where the Bible is pretty plain and, and, and the passages where you're like, okay, I think I, I understand what the Bible is, is, is saying here. You don't just take that passage and say and run with it and go, yep, that's what the Bible says. I'm good. What you do is you take that scripture and you say, what are other scriptures or other themes in the Bible that support what this scripture is saying? 
because the scripture will never contradict itself. It will always back itself up in other ways through other writers at other times, you know, all the time. Right. So the Bible will never contradict itself. So those three things, looking at the history behind it, you know, the Bible is not written to you, it's written for you. So who is it actually talking to? And then let's make sure that we're looking at the whole of Scripture and making sure that Scripture is backing up Scripture. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's dig into this whole women preacher thing, this controversial topic of women preachers. And I know recently, not that long ago, I don't know, it might've been last year, but I think John MacArthur, which is a very well-respected, and I highly respect John MacArthur. I don't agree with everything that he says. You know, he's there's a, there's a, a few areas of doctrine that I vehemently disagree with him on, but he's he is a well-studied theologian. But he came out and kind of made some remarks against Beth Moore because mm. she's a woman she's a woman uh, preacher. And so that kind of sparked some, some, some chatter, but this is something that's been going on in the church for a long time. So what's, what's all the fuss about women speaking in church? Why do people say, or theologians say that they believe that women should not preach or speak in church? Mm-hmm. So let's look at the very first scripture that they we, that we see here and this is probably the most famous scripture that people use to say that women should not preach in the church is 1 Timothy 2 and 12 Paul said I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man she must be quiet another one is in 1 Corinthians 14:34 through 35 it says let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. Verse 35 says, and if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Seems pretty plain, right? Like, if yeah. you, you read those scriptures, you're like, wow, <laughs> I don't think women should be saying anything in church. And I think when you, once you look at those scriptures, now remember what I just said, you've got to look at what Paul said historically. You have to look at it from the standpoint that the Bible is not written to you. The Bible is written for you. And you've got to look at scripture in light of scripture. And so I think the third, the first and the third thing here is the most important. So you got to look at the history of why did Paul say that? What was going on at the time mm-hmm. that Paul said this? Then mm-hmm. you've got to look at this, these both of these scriptures and say, okay, well, is there anywhere else that the Bible talks against women speaking in the church? Or is there other areas in the scripture where we do see women speaking in the church? And if it, since we know that the Bible will never contradict itself, how do we come to this answer? Right. And we're going to we're this is this is what we're going to talk about. So right now, just reading first Timothy two and twelve and first Corinthians fourteen, thirty four, thirty five. It looks like that women cannot speak in the church. Kyle, do you, you agree with that? No, I agree. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty clear from those two verses. Yeah. <laughs> just want to make sure you're awake there, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So um so so let's look at those two scriptures. Now, one, when we look at 1 Timothy 2 and 12, we don't know exactly what was happening in these churches that caused Paul 
to write this letter to Timothy about this. But some Bible scholars believe that that some of the women were trying to teach heresy in the church at that time. They also believe that 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 because I don't know if you understand the history back then, but men and women sat on separate sides of the church. There was not this blending, and you can see some churches now, churches that are very, uh, unfortunately, I have to say this word, but legalistic. Um, you know, I have some family members that go to some very legalistic churches, and they have it where the men sit on one side and the women sit on the other side. And some Bible scholars believe that there was an issue where, where the men were sitting on one side and the women were sitting on the other side, but the women were shouting over to the men's side and trying to talk over the men as they were in in Bible study or Bible class or the you know or when the word of God was being taught. And so Paul basically said in this particular instance he says, "Listen, I don't want women talking. I think that women need to be silent in the churches." Right? Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians 14 34 through 35, we look at verse 35 and if they want to learn something let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, there's various interpretations of what Paul was saying when he was limiting women speaking in church. He, so he says they are not allowed to speak, but Paul uses the word that limit the speech word, sagato. I hope that's how you say it. So if you guys are theologians out there and I'm saying that wrong, you can you can text me and let me know. You how know to what say he's it. saying. You, you know what I'm saying. But but that word sagado actually was previously used to limit the speech of those speaking in tongues in in church when there was no interpretation. Right? Mm. So it's you know, we can't unequivocally say that when Paul said that I don't want women to speak in church. We can't say that it was specifically because, and we'll show you here in just a little bit, of of women speaking in church, but it's not saying that Paul is saying necessarily that women should not speak in church in the sense that we think of it today, but that Paul was either addressing heresy that was being taught, women talking out of turn in church, or that word that that they're not permitted to speak. They're not allowed to speak the Greek word being sagado, which means that they should not be speaking in tongues when there is no interpretation. And if you look at the Corinthian church, Paul did a lot of work trying to help them to understand church order. Yeah, I I mean, I got a question for anybody who's listening and going, I know where this is going. They're going to say that you know, women should be able to preach in church and hold leadership and things like that. If you hold the the first Timothy scripture true to today, well, don't, don't start it at first Timothy, you know, two twelve. Don't, don't do that. Start it at verse eight, where it says, therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lift up, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing here. He, here's where he starts with the women. I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. And so listen, if we're going, if you're going to take that stance, then the woman that you bring to church better not have earrings in 
She she better not have expensive clothing in. And you go ahead and tell me what expensive is. Culture will deem certain stores expensive. So I'm just being real here. We have, I guess what bothers me the most is that we have people that will dismiss a message from a woman because she's a woman, but the woman they're bringing to church is actually also disobeying what Paul says to Timothy in this verse because they're wearing heels and shoes and jeans that cost more than my entire outfit together. <laughs> and so I guess that's that's my what what I would like to ask anybody who is who who has that stance and you can comment on on our social media pages but hey listen if you think that hey listen Paul said and it's very clear here it is very clear Paul said women should not preach in church okay but he also said they shouldn't wear gold they shouldn't wear expensive clothes they shouldn't have elaborate hairstyles and that would be the appropriate way for women to worship God so I, that, yeah. That's kind of where, like, I see that verse, I go, great, that's awesome. But we're missing some key components there from both men and women where it talks about that. Right, right. And that's, that's what I mean by taking one scripture, extracting it from, from that chapter, and then building a doctrine around it. <laughs> like, you, you, you've got to be careful to know what the history is behind it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, that, and that's my only issue with that is, okay, so we built the doctrine around women not preaching, but I have yet to hear anything about the way women dress in church. Now, I've heard a lot about modesty, but right. that verse doesn't just cover modesty, Kevin. Right. So if we're building a doctrine around that verse, again, it, it goes all the way back to the drinking verse that we use, yeah. right? Like you can't pull certain things out of scripture and just ignore the other things, when you are building a doctrine around it, it needs to be completely wrapped in the scripture and by the complete scripture. Right. You can't just put dot, dot, dot at the end of it or before it. You have to use right. the entire contextual history to it. And, and again, in every argument that I've had, I've never heard those statements beforehand. It's always just been that one verse. Right. Right. The entire letter, the entire letter has to be involved. Yes. Right, the entire letter and the rest of the Bible, right? That, right. The, you right. know, the, it, it's again. Kyle just explained. You've got to take scripture in light of scripture. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and and I understand it most. And I don't expect most of you guys that are listening to be Bible scholars or sit down and and go deep into this stuff. But you have to understand. You know, you have to understand that. You know, if you don't understand things. Or you don't, you know, you don't understand things and, and, and you say like, well, I just don't believe that's right or whatever. You have to, in order for you to have an informed opinion, you've got to do the work. You've got to do the deep study, right? right. And I will tell you, uh, I have, you know, Kyle and I have been in ministry for many years, myself, s- somewhere around 20 years. I know what I believe on this topic before I, we even decided to, to do it. But I still spent hours researching this topic again. Why? Because I want to make sure that anytime, and Kyle the same way, anytime we get on air, we want to make sure that we're giving you what the Bible actually says. We're digging into the Greek and the Hebrew and all the things because we want to know that what we're saying is right. And so even though I knew what I believed on it and had studied it before, I studied it again. Because I want to make sure that I am clear on, one, what I believe still, (laughs) and making sure that I'm clear with you about what what I believe that the Bible is saying about this, right? And so we don't haphazardly take these things. All right, so 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 we've heard our two scriptures. 
that people say, hey, that's it. 1 Timothy 2.12, 1 Corinthians 14.34-35, that's what they say. Women should not preach. Paul seems pretty clear. Why in the world would you think anything otherwise? Okay, so let's ask ourselves, as I'm getting ready to, to read this next scripture, ask yourself, does the Bible contradict itself? Because if the Bible contradicts itself, then we have a huge problem with the Bible, okay? So let's, let's read 1 Corinthians. So still in the same book, might, might, might I add, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 5 through 6. But every woman who prays or prophesies <laughs> with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. Now, here's we're not going to get into this whole head covering. If you guys want us to cover that, we can do that. And you say, well, why, why don't women cover their hair now? All of that. I, we, we, I don't want to go down rabbit trails. I want to keep it to what it is. The, the, the first part of that scripture is, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Now, Paul just said, <laughs> Uh, later on in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 35, he goes, let your women keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak. Then in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, but everyone who prays or prophesies with their head uncovered dishonors her head. So we have to ask ourselves, did Paul contradict himself when in one area he goes, I don't want women to, to speak. And then in another area, he goes, well, we want to make sure that when women prophesy and they pray, that their head's covered. So there in that scripture alone, it shows you that there must be a reason why Paul said specifically to Timothy for that time to that particular group of people, I don't want women to speak. Right. Right. And I'm going to show you example after example where the Bible, where the Bible strongly suggests that women did, did speak, did speak in the church. Now, if you read the entire passage, so if you look at first Timothy two, verse nine through 15, mm-hmm. it strongly suggests that Paul was giving Timothy some type of an advice about dealing with heretical teachings and practices specifically involving women at the church of Ephesus. All right. I mean, if you, if you look at that, I would encourage you to read first Timothy two, verse nine through 15 again, because I want to make sure we get through this. I I can't read every single scripture here or series Mm -hmm. of scriptures, but I want you to, to, in your own time, read those scriptures. So the, the heresy at that particular point, it could have been so strong and so serious that Paul says, you know what? I'm not allowing any of the women in this church to teach right now. Right. right. You know, and that could have been that could have been the thing. And so let's take this and let's look at some of the common arguments that people have against women preaching. They say things like Paul clearly states that women should not teach because they say it clearly states like we just like we just said there he clearly states that women should not teach well again you have to look at the context you have to look at the history and the whole of scripture when it comes to that and i think we just proved that to you 
Another common argument is everywhere you look in, people say, well, everywhere you look in scripture, there are men leading, right? We we only see men. I'd say you haven't read scripture. Exactly. But I'd say you haven't read the Old Testament, and I'd say you definitely haven't read anything to do with Paul's journeys on planting churches. (laughs) Right. And these are Bible, well-known Bible scholars that say, well, but, but, but the order, you know, God, it, it looks like that the order, because God is the head of the man and man is the head of the woman, they say, well, but it, it just looks like that, you know, we don't have an example, really, because most of the examples were that they were men. Well, look at Jesus' 12 apostles. Well, he picked 12 men. He didn't pick 12 women, or he didn't pick six men and six women. He picked 12 men. Right. And there's, and there's a specific order to a home, you know, and, and, and there is a way that God has laid out the family plan. Yes. Okay. So we're not, we're not arguing that. I know some people are going to go right to that. Well, the, the man is the head. Listen, we're not arguing that. Right. What we're saying is, is that scripture doesn't contradict itself. And so in a lot of Paul's writings, he's specifically speaking to situations and scenarios. And we've, We've created, well, my fear is that we've created doctrine over what a man has said, and, and again, it's inspired by God, but we haven't even sought out the entire word of God before creating a doctrine. Right, right. And if you think, and just, and I don't mean this in any other way, they're just, tr- just trying to help, but if you think First Timothy 2 and 12, where it says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man, or the First Corinthians 14, 34 through 35, where it says, let your women keep silent in the churches. If you think that that is the doctrine and you don't think that there is an issue that first Corinthians 11, five through six says, but every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. If you don't think that that's a contradiction of what Paul said, because Paul didn't say preach. He said, I don't want him to speak. He said, I wanted women to be silent. You can't silent. silent. Right. Prophesying isn't being silent. Right. You can't prophesy silently. Now you can pray silently. But you can't prophesy silently, okay? Right. So let's let's continue to look at these arguments. Yep. You know, so you hear people say things like, well, if Christ is the head of the man and the man is the head of the woman, shouldn't she listen to the man, you know, and the man not listen to her? Like, isn't he the one that should be teaching her? Here's, this is dangerous, very dangerous. When God put the order of headship in the church. So he, he put, yes, God is the head. And then, you know, man is to cover the woman when it comes to, and excuse me, not the church, but the home. When he talks about the man being the head of the home, the man is in the, is at the head of the home so that he, because he has a responsibility of taking care of, nurturing, and protecting his wife and his children, both spiritually and naturally. That is why he is the head of the home. In no way does scripture teach that women are inferior to men. Nowhere in scripture will you find that women are inferior as, uh, you know, if, of their value, of their, their status, or any like, anything like that to men. And I'm going to prove that to you through, through scriptures. Right. And we have to be very careful that we're not chauvinistic. Right. And if we don't learn from our history, because think about it, just not that long ago, women couldn't vote. Mm -hmm. 
They didn't have the rights to vote. Also, black people did not have the right to vote. We realized mm-hmm. that both of those stances were wrong. And so we, we corrected that and we got out of that. We now can't go back into the Bible and bring and say, well, Paul said, you know, to Timothy that the churches in Ephesus, women should be silent. So we can't say that and look at that and go, well, that is to all women for all generations for all time. Because Paul in and, and last time I'll, I'll say this on this particular scripture, Paul in first Corinthians 11, five through six said women shouldn't prophesy without, without their head covered. Okay. So now with all that said, you say, well, Kevin, where's the examples of women right. preaching, teaching, right. church planning, ruling, all of those mm-hmm. things in scripture? Where's, where's that at Kev? All right. You ready? It's all over. <laughs> you ready? Over. You ready, guys? Uh, before right. Kevin gets into it, the, the Bible actually has a lot more to say about women in leadership positions than I think we're led to believe. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's overwhelming evidence. So let's look at Priscilla. So we have, we see a Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla was the wife of Aquila. And if you read Acts 18, this is actually the one, the one, one of the times where the the wife, one of the times in the New Testament, this happens again in the or happens before in the Old Testament, where the wife is mentioned before the husband's name. Yes, and if you know if you know any history about it, that is uncommon. It would always be the husband's name and then the wife, and we even find that in churches now. Well, this is Kyle and Brooke, or it doesn't happen in our church, and I love that that you know Brooke isn't looked at as, as someone lesser than me. You know, it's just because she's the quote unquote youth pastor's wife, but it's, you know what I'm saying? Like she's, she's held at a high esteem too. And I like that. And then you brought this up first because it's Priscilla and Aquila, <laughs> you know, like it, it's not Priscilla, the wife of, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so, right. And, and we're not, yes. And if you read the scripture, so if first Corinthians 16, 19 says the churches in the province of Asia, send you greetings, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. Okay? That's, that, that's going to become important. What you have to understand about Priscilla is Priscilla was, a, was a, like Kyle said, the wife of Aquila. Now, the Bible, if you, you read all of Scripture, the Bible talks more about Priscilla right. than it does Aquila. It, yeah, in many passages, it, it mentions many, her over her husband. Yes, it 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 mentions her, right? And so, in 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 that day, what we have to understand again, let's go back to history. Women were not looked at like women are looked at today as equal. Right. It was right. very so. Remember, the Bible is a history book as well. So the Bible is not going to negate or take out the history from from its pages. So if women were not prominent back in that day, you're not going to see a lot of prominence, right, in the speech from Paul or from all of these different people. Why? Even when for instance, when the Bible talks about the feeding the 5000, right? When Jesus fed the 5000, it says he fed 5,000 men, not including mm-hmm. women and children. 
they don't they didn't even women were not even thought of and this is very important as we go through this women were not thought or of or valued the way women are valued today it just wasn't culturally appropriate at that time they did not look at women as valid if a woman said something what she said really didn't mean much and i hate to say that it's awful but that's the way the culture was at that particular time, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that Priscilla was mentioned as much as she was over her husband is significant here. So it, it says, so the wife of Aquila, who her name was never mentioned without her. Sometimes her name actually took precedence over her husband's name. Now, here's what Aquila did. And this is what, or Priscilla, excuse me, what, what she did. One, they had a church house. Mm-hmm. It said right in that scripture that I read that they had a church at their home. Mm-hmm. Okay. Paul commended her and, and her husband greatly that they were doing a fantastic job with the ministry that they had been entrusted with. Now, Apollos, you'll hear, and if you read anything that, you know, in Acts 18, you will hear this name Apollos. Now, Apollos was a very well-educated man, may I add? Yeah. Man. Very well-educated. I like that you say educated, too. Yes. Very well-educated man. But Priscilla and Aquila had to take him aside, even though he was educated, and to teach him how to rightly teach the Bible. Right. Right? In which case, Paul was in support with. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. But we have to understand that when we're, when we're pulling doctrine from Paul off of a verse or two, he's clearly then seen doing the complete opposite in this situation where he's not only naming her as a co-worker in Christ, but he's entrusting her work to lead and teach a man. That's right. Right. But, but Kyle, I thought that he said back in 1 Timothy 2 and 12, he said, I don't permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. In which case he did. <laughs> yeah. He did say that. Yeah. yeah he He's said very, that. It's very clear that he said that. Yeah. But it's also very clear that he also said that Priscilla was a coworker, and uh, it's very clear that she taught Apollos, and it's very clear that he commended her, and it's going to be very clear in Romans, that another woman was called an outstanding apostle. I mean, I mean, it's, it's going to be clear all throughout New Testament and then all throughout God's character in the Old Testament that women were not only put in positions of leadership, Kevin, but they were commended for it and they were supported by other men for it. Yes. And she took, and I got so many scriptures down here, Kyle, if you can, fi- if you can find the scripture where it talks about them teaching Apollos. I'm, I've got yeah. a ton of scriptures in front of me, Go but ahead. I want to continue to, to, to move through this. But, yep. but, but I want you to understand that she was instructing Apollos, and I think it's Acts 18 and 26, I think is the... It's, it's in, yeah, it's in A. So you guys are getting this in real time, guys. We want to make sure... It's 1826. Yeah. Can you read that? All right, 1826. Let's see. This is going to be Bible drill. We'll see how... how Okay, so I've got it. I found it. See, I, I, won it. The I, bi- it I won the Bible drill. Um, <laughs> Acts 18.26, it's the NIV. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. This is talking about Apollos. When Priscilla 
and Aquila, remember her name comes first before her husband, which is not normal, heard him. They invited him to their home, which remember they were having a church home, home at church or church at home. I'll get it. I'll get it together here and explain to him the way of God more adequately. So here is a woman teaching a man how to teach the word of God more adequately. I mean, I can't get any more plain than that, guys. Like, right. there, I, I, I can't get any more plain than that. Okay. Right. Let's and let's move to Phoebe. Who was Phoebe? She was a deacon. Yes, Phoebe was a deacon. All right. Paul said, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is in Centria. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I, you guys, I can't with these words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've got to say it with your chest, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yet, but, but if you look at that, Paul used this term, diakonos, for a minister, which is the, it's just, it's the Greek word there, he used it for a minister or a leader of a congregation, right? Yeah. These, these were specifically applied to, to Jesus Christ, to Timothy, and even to his own ministry. So when mm-hmm. Paul uses that Greek word in that, in that particular passage, diakonos, which is, it's used as a minister or a leader of a, of a congregation, right? And so again, why would Paul use that Greek word to describe Phoebe if she wasn't a leader or if she wasn't a servant in the gospel with him? Or if she was supposed to keep her questions to herself and go ask her husband, then she wouldn't be able to make those decisions for other men in the church. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, and we're in Romans 16 here. In Romans 16, Junia. Yeah. The Bible describes as, not only an apostle, but an outstanding one. Yes. Yeah, Junia. Yeah, I mean that. Yes. Now, I mean that. There's more and more people. Let's let's look at. I'm gonna give you another example. Deborah. Deborah. That's my girl, man. Yeah. <laughs> Deborah's my girl, man. Good old Deb. Good old Debbie. Uh, Debbie. Debbie. Uh, she was a judge who led the the Israelite people in the Old Testament. Yeah. She was a judge. Guys, you understand the the prominence that she had as a woman? Now you say, well, that was Old Testament. Okay. Well, we just showed you some areas in the New Testament where it talks about women being leaders, and we're getting ready to show you some more. So Deborah is another one who, you know, she actually was was, and I, I'm trying to recall everything, but there was war that needed to happen. And she yeah. was actually the person who said, look, we need to go to war uh, with these particular people. That was Deborah. Look, yeah. her, look her up in Scripture, right? Now, this one I love. The next one I love is... Well, the, it, go ahead. And the song she sings is, They Held Back Until I Arose. Yeah. I mean, she makes it known that the men that were in leadership were indecisive. And because they were indecisive... Israel, it wasn't happening the way it was supposed to happen until she rose up into leadership, and then things began to take place. And I mean, that's in Judges 5. You can find that in Judges 5. Yeah, yeah. You look at that in Judges 5, and again, guys, I want you to read these scriptures for yourself. I can't read yeah. every single scripture. Like, with, you know. And she wasn't, she wasn't just you know, a judge. She was a prophetess. I mean, she was 
God's mouthpiece for the Old Testament in that Old Testament time. And so, again, you not only see her leading, but you see her teaching people who didn't know how to fight on their own behalf using God's words to do that. I mean, she's a prophetess. And so, you can't really mistake that for anything other than what it is. Yeah, and she had a husband, by the way. Yeah. She, but, but, she, but she was the one that was the judge. She was the one that was ruling for Israel. Like, I mean, and, and, and in every story, God, God raised up a judge. Yes. We have, to, we have to understand the book of Judges. God raised, because a lot of these judges were not adequate. Right. Majority of them weren't, they weren't people you'd go, I would follow that. Most of you wouldn't follow a woman. Most of you wouldn't follow a young man. Most of you wouldn't follow someone who doubt. But God raised up judges, and it's very clear that God raised them up. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's look at this one. This one is one of my favorites. So the next example of a woman who was in leadership and, you know, was promoted is Mary Magdalene. Right. So Mary Magdalene, we all talk about Mary Magdalene. We love her. She was she was a a close friend of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But 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 understand. So let's let's go back to the history of this time. In the history, when Jesus died, he was crucified, he died, and he was when he rose from the dead, the history during that time is that women were not looked at as valuable. And again, I, I hate, it feels yucky even saying that out of my yeah. mouth, right? Like, I, yeah. I, I can't, I just, it, it's beyond me. But yeah. women were not looked at as valuable or, or valued. And so they were not looked at as valued. So what happened was Jesus decided to elevate Mary to a level that Mary had probably never been elevated to before. And here's how he did it. When he rose from the dead, who did he tell to go and tell everybody else that he rose from the dead? He chose Mary Magdalene. He could have chosen any other man he could have sent a male angel he could have sent any of the any of his disciples he could have i mean he could have sent anybody he on purpose chose mary magdalene who again in that culture what they said didn't really mean anything but she was the one to go to say and to bring the news, the best news. If we didn't have the resurrection, guys, we would have no Christianity. Our Christianity would be dead. Yep. But he chose the greatest news of all of Christian history to be proclaimed first by a woman. Mm-hmm. Again. Well, she, yeah, from start to finish, full circle, she, you know, she, uh. You see Mary bringing the word of flesh in her own body, yeah, raising them up, and then the resurrection news, and yeah, I mean it's just another indication of the woman's ability to not only speak and lead, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we have Miriam. Miriam, she was a prophet to Israel during the Exodus, and if you you're like, well, she sounds familiar. Well, she was the sister. Could be wrong, but she was the first prophet. Mm-hmm. Like. Period. Yeah. Not just a woman prophet, but the first prophet that we find in the Old Testament was a woman. Yeah. Yeah, a- absolutely. And she was the sister to Moses and Aaron. So, I mean, it, you know, we have her in the, in the Bible as well. Then we have Huldah, which she was also a prophet 
in the Old Testament. You read in the days of Josiah, so you read Second Kings twenty two fourteen through twenty, Second Chronicles thirty four twenty two through twenty eight. Also, we look at in Acts twenty one eight and nine. We look up. We look at Philip's four unmarried daughters. They were yeah. all recognized as prophets. Yeah. yeah. We look at Judea and Syntyche in Philippians four two and three. They we we see that these are women, and and I I quote women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, you know, so, you know, you're looking at Paul and talking about like my co-workers, my fellow laborers, my, you know, all of these things that we're seeing here. I I know Kyle talked about Junia. Uh, She was also in my notes as well. Now, if you look at Romans 16 and 7, you know, she was called outstanding. She was called outstanding. And what's crazy is, in the beginning in the, in, in the 13th century, a number of scholars and translators, they, in, they masculinized her name to Junius, but her name was actually Junia. But yeah. in, in the early 13th century, some Bible scholars and translators, they were not willing to admit that she was a female apostle, right? Mm-hmm. Because that didn't fit their theological bent. They changed her name, which is actually Junia, to Junius to make it masculine. But the name Junia is found more than 250 times in Rome alone, while the masculine form Junius is unknown in any Roman source. So, uh, I, I, you know, I think we can look at this and say that Paul was a huge advocate for women. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, you know, the woman at the well is a famous story, but I think we stopped short at realizing that, you know, she left her jar. First of all, she mm-hmm. went and found other work to do. And that other work was she left her jar behind to go tell people about Jesus after talking with them in John four twenty eight, And it's, and then in four thirty nine, it's demonstrating that she was, a, she was effective because Samaritan it said that Samaritans believed in Christ because of her testimony. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, I did want to bring up one, and I think it's probably where you were going to end up going here, but Pentecost Sunday is the day where God's Spirit is poured out on everyone. Yep. Um, Peter quotes the prophet Joel saying, in the last days God said, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my serm- servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Well, the they is all who gathered in Pentecost mm-hmm. and it included women. Uh, so there's no reason to think that when the second chapter of Acts reports that they were all together in one place again, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, that the women were suddenly no longer present. Right. right. The Bible in principle would have mentioned that. Right. So. And the spirit fell on them, not only for them to 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 have the infilling of and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it was also to commission them to go out and do ministry. You know, right. so let's 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 look at this. So as we wind it down here, if we look at Genesis two, verses eighteen through twenty five, 
and and I I understand that, and I'm actually going to read that. Read it. Yeah, because I think it's important that some of these, and I know not all of these scriptures we can read, but when we can read them, mm-hmm. I want us to make sure that we're 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 doing that. So it says, "The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him." And then it just goes into how. You know, so he's now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds, you know, all of that. And it says, so the man, man gave them names. But for Adam, there was no suitable helper. And he said, so the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. Then he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Now, a lot of people take this scripture that said that a woman is to be the helper of the man and somehow make this as women are to be subordinate to men, um, you know, and that Eve was created to be this this almost like slave, like you just do what I tell you to do. You, you're, you're just my helper. You, you don't have any real value or say. You're just here to help me out. God created you to help me out. Here's, here's the problem with that. If you look at the, the word, the, the Hebrew word for helper there is ezer, that word is never used in the Hebrew Bible with a subordinate meeting. I want to say 17 out of the 20 times it is used, it actually refers to God as the helper. So, you know, mm. Eve, <laughs> Eve was created to help, to help Adam, but not in the sense of a subordinate, because that word that's used there is not even used as a word for, for a subordinate. So, again, like, there's too much overwhelming evidence. You know, there's a, there's a scripture, and I know, I know some of you are going to get a little wigged out when I use this scripture, because this is one of the main scriptures that, that people say are, are just not used properly when it says, God is no respecter of persons, there's neither, fail, uh, neither male nor female uh, when it comes to, to God. But I think there is some application here. Right there, there, there is some overreaching, overarching application that you can make. That listen, female, male, it doesn't matter. Share the gospel, right? If you are in Zim, in Zimbabwe and there is, and those people don't know anything about Christ, a woman gets saved, she knows Christ, and she begins to teach. Do you think God is looking at her and going, "Oh, but you're a woman. I you I can't have you talking." Like you, you're supposed to be silent. I don't think you're supposed to be sharing Christ with this indigenous people because, you know, you know, and then now that indigenous people don't even hear about Christ because of, of her gender. I mean, it's just, it's, and it's not, that's not an emotional uh, point that I'm trying to make here. It's just not reasonable. And when you look at the whole of scripture, it's just not biblical, right? If a husband and wife are missionaries, to a previously unreached people and the husband passes away, does that mean the wife now comes home, packs up her stuff and goes, well, I guess ministry here is over because I'm a woman and the Bible says that I can't, I can't speak. Guys, think about that. Think about that. So 
I think when we look at, there's overwhelming evidence that women can speak, should preach, can lead ministries, can do all of these things. Does it mean that they neglect their families? They say, well, but, but I thought a woman was supposed to be in the, in, in the kitchen barefoot, making, making pancakes for her husband and having babies. That kind of talk makes me cringe. I don't even know even the word for it. Like, I can't, I can't with that kind of talk because it is a, it is a very old school, unbiblical, old culture mindset. Because if you want to say, well, the woman should be home taking care of her children. Well, the man should also be at home taking care of his children. He has the same amount of responsibility as the woman has. Now, are their functions different? Sure. There might be that the, that, that the woman, uh, you know, is washing the kids' clothes. But guess what? The man could be in the kitchen washing the dishes, right? There is no, well, the woman does this, the man does this. I mean, let's not go there, right? That's, that stuff gets me fired up because that stuff is this society that says that women are inferior to men, and that is not biblical. <laughs> Just not biblical. Right. So get off the this idea that, you know, you know, if the, you know, the woman is over there teaching a class, teaching men, how dare she? She should be at home taking care of her children. Well, if, if that family is doing it right, guess what's happening on a Wednesday night? The kids are in youth group. The husband's probably in the in the men's group on Wednesday night and the wife could be teaching the, the a class. Like everybody's there. We don't need somebody at home taking care of the kids. Why? Because God's taking care of all of them because they're there all there at church. That is what we really should be looking for, right? I love it when you go off on a rant, bro. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I just I I again guys, I again I, and no disrespect to anybody who who believes opposite than 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 we do. I, I'm not I, no, I, uh, no, no disrespect at all. I, I understand, and I've yeah, we get it. We we understand. Listen, I know people who we we clearly see differently. We do not see eye to eye on this, and they're good friends of mine, and and I trust them with the word of God too. Like I, you know, what I'm saying for the for everything they say, I go, I can trust that they've studied it. That, that this is what they believe. This is what they found in Scripture, guys. There's gonna be things that we cover that in the grand scheme of eternity. Mm-hmm. It just it just pales to 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 eternity, you know. And so the discussions like this, where this isn't a loss of salvation type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, but it's it's good to talk about. It's good to get our viewpoints out, the biblical literacy out, and trying to understand the whole word of God. But look, even if you disagree, nothing but love here, you know. And we just wanted to give our stance on it and yeah. why we believe what we believe. And in the same way where there's times that I, I look at people and go, okay, I don't agree with that, but I see where you find that in scripture. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can come away from this episode going, yeah, I just don't find that in scripture. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and again, guys, listen, agree with us, disagree with us. You can text us any time of the day, any time of the night. Like I said, this is not our personal cell phone. <laughs> Obviously, we're not going to, you know, get w- w- woken up in the middle of the night. But listen, 248-301-2010. Let us know what you think. And I understand that there is going to be some people, there are whole denominations that would disagree with us on this. 
right? I, yeah. You know, one of my most favorite and most beloved and closest mentors is a Baptist pastor, right? I, I love him to death, but I'll tell you right now, we disagree on some of these things, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he would disagree with this. He would, dis, you know, he would disagree with some other things. We just had a, a kind of a friendly debate the other day on the gifts of the spirit, right? Like it's, you know, but I love him to death and there's so much richness to him, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I, I have chosen him as one of my mentors because he, he has so much wisdom to give. But when it comes to these things, I have to look at what the scripture actually says. And so guys, I appreciate you guys asking us these questions. The people who uh, approached us and asked us to cover this topic, thank you so much. And you guys keep the topics rolling in and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do about tackling, 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 tackling them on the air. Yeah, and, and a lot of these shows, they're being referenced on social media, guys. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, thinking underscore out loud on our Instagram page. Facebook is thinking out loud podcast. We also have a Facebook page called thinking out loud podcast fans, and you can direct a lot of your comments, rebuttals, anything really to the thinking out loud podcast page on Facebook. And uh, that's where we do all of our, uh, all of our show promotion and things like that, that happens there. So feel free, comment, message, contact us via phone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then a couple of things. One thing I, I don't, I, I've not said a lot here lately. If you want Kyle and I to come out to your church, talk to your, you know, have a small, you know, whatever, whether it's a group, whether it's a town hall, roundtable discussion, it could be anything, politics, religion, theology. It could be, you know, we could say, hey, critical race theory, all the things that are out there right now that people are talking about. And if you're a pastor, you're like, hey, I, I don't even want to touch these topics with a 10 foot pole. One, you should. Two, if you don't want to, we will, <laughs> you know, share, <laughs> share this stuff with your friends, family, all that good stuff. Also, there's a donate button. Listen, the way we the way this show continues is through people like you. Right. You guys give. Yeah. And then we're able to. We're able to continue to keep this show on the air. So if you want this show to continue right. on the air, guys, go to our website. It's thinkingoutloudmedia.com, thinkingoutloudmedia.com. Hit the donate button there. It's down towards the bottom of the homepage. You can set it up for recurring payments. You can do 25 bucks a month, 20 bucks, five bucks, two bucks. It doesn't matter. Whatever. You can do a one-time payment, whatever you want to do there. But we want to keep this show on the air. So if you find it in your heart to do that, and we're also going to have some cool things um, that, so if you donate to the show, one of the things that uh, we're going to do, there's some other things we're going to add to this. But right now, one thing I can guarantee you, if you are one of the 20 people who give $25 a month, you are going to get lifetime access to any live shows that we do. Okay. Now you might say, well, but Kevin, I live in a different state. That's no problem. What we will do is those live shows that we do or town halls that we do, whatever it is, they're going to be recorded. And if you are one of the 20 who, or anybody, it it could be over 20 people who pledge $25 a month to this show, you will get the video access wherever you are to that show. All right. So just make sure. Hey, just make sure that you're putting that email and all that stuff in there when you're putting that PayPal in PayPal so that we can send it to you and just go from there. Okay. 
And so, and another thing is rate and review us. So if you're listening on an Apple device or Spotify or Google, iHeartRadio, any of that stuff, if there's a way to rate us, rate us, leave a review, and we'll really appreciate that. We love you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you.